Hey friends, this is Joe Barlow, and welcome to my podcast. I'm glad you joined me. On this podcast, my goal is that you would draw closer to the Father God, that you would know Jesus Christ, and that you would experience the power of the Holy Spirit here in this earth. God bless. All right, friends. I hope you had a great Palm Sunday. We're coming up to Easter this week, but I, I'm hoping that you uh, are ready for another week of faith. Because if we get faith, and if faith is working, uh, this thing about pleasing God, without faith it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11:6, that stirs me. I want to please my Father. I want to please God. It, that gets me in my heart, right? But it also is cool because I see people in my life who walk in faith and it seems to me like they are just like miles down the road ahead of me. I mean, this one brother that I hired and uh, he just learned everything I said, did everything I told him, and he just progressed right on past me. And he looked back at me as like, what are you doing, man? How come you're not experiencing all this progression, you know, that I'm experiencing? Really, he was, he was commenting on my faith. Like, Joe, you need to get your act together. And, um, and, and you should be farther along than where you are right now. And I would just say, guess what? I believe that. I'm guilty. I need to have more faith. And so I'm going to preach about it for another week, I hope. Um, well, I'm just going to say boldly, I believe you need it and I need it. And as I preach this this week, as I speak the word, it's going to make a difference in your heart. It's going to make a difference in your life, and it's hopefully it's going to make a difference in your approach to your life. And there's going to be powerful things that actually happen in your life because of faith. All right? So I'm going to get after this, and let's go after, um, start again with Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, now I'm going to give you a list of uh, faith scriptures, okay, things that come up in my heart about faith and different scriptures that we can go after, listen to, read, study, pray, meditate, and learn, okay? So, King James, Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, okay? Uh, next, I go to Hebrews 11, uh, 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. I believe God is, and so do you believe he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I'm seeking him. I'm coming after him. Even though I'm one with him now, in my heart, making efforts to draw my own heart closer to him and my thoughts, I keep, I keep drawing myself closer to God. Okay? Let me go to another... Uh, verse that I think is so powerful and that's Mark eleven twenty three, and it says for verily I say unto you well first of all in Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answers them saying have faith in God and then in verse 23 Jesus says for verily I say unto you that whoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, 
Uh, it's one thing to believe that when God promised something, he's going to do it. Abraham said, uh, or God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham was childless. He was 80 years old and his wife was, you know, barren. And um, they didn't have fertility doctors at that time. So they weren't going to be able to find out what in the heck was going on. They didn't know. But God said, I promise I'll give you a son. Okay, believe me. So Abraham believed God, and God said, all right, you're my man. He, he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. In other words, he's like, I love you, Abraham. Man, you're awesome, and I I'm, thank you for believing me. Just like the child jumping into your arms again, right? I told you about that. When that child jumps into your arms, it fills your heart with joy. When they, you say, come on, jump into daddy's arms, and they jump, and that fills you up, that fills you with joy. Same way. When Abraham believed God, God credited that to Abraham as righteousness. Okay. For verily, Mark 11, 23, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, now wait a second, Jesus is taking this thing to a different level now. Because it's not just Jesus saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, I promise to give you a son, Abraham. Or, uh, Joe, I'm calling you to be a pastor. Or, uh, I will, Joe, I'll give you a wife. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, or, Joe, I promise that I'll heal you. Praise God. I received that. So it's not just God promising that he will, he himself will do something for us. But it's God saying that if you say, uh-oh, if you say to this mountain, now, who gets, decide, who gets to decide whether they'll speak to a mountain and what mountain they're going to speak to? Uh, was Jesus only talking about this one particular mountain that was there in Israel? No. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he say, saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Now, that's like you're riding down, you know, guys riding down the, ho down the street, uh, on an old, down the road on a, in a wagon. He's got a horse. He's holding the reins. And then the father's, the father's holding the reins and he's talking to his son. And he says, son, um, I'm gonna give you my. I'm gonna give you an inheritance, and the son's like, "Yes, praise the, you know, thank you, dad, thank you, dad." Um, and then he says, "Son, I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm gonna give you this horse and carriage. As a matter of fact, wherever you want to go, son." And so then the father takes the reins out of his hands and puts the reins in his son's hands and said, "Son, drive." What? Oh, I only want to go where you. Where do you want me to go, dad? You take me where do you want you want me to go, son. What? Yeah, son, you take me where you want to go. Dad, no, I put the reins in your hand, son. Now you drive this thing. You got control of the horse. Now now drive it. And I'll 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 just go with you where you wherever you want to go, son. That's a lot of responsibility, Dad. I know, son, but I've raised you and I'm trying to teach you. Uh, this is how I drive the carriage, this is how I handle the horses. You've seen how I do it. Now, it's time for you to do it. I'm riding with you, son. Now, let's go. 
well, then the son has to decide where's he going to go to? What's he want to do? Um, so the son decides to, I'm going to, I'm going to go over to, uh, the five and dime, right? So he goes down to the, the store where you can get a, a little licorice stick or something like that. And, um, so he pulls up out in front, says, dad, let's go get a licorice stick. He goes on inside the dad buys him a licorice stick. Where do you want to go now, son? Son gets back and the son's got the reins. He, he takes the horse on down the road a little ways. They stop by the lake. They sit by the lake and they sit and look at the, look at the lake and the sunshine and the waves and the, and the wind blowing in the trees. And they're just enjoying themselves together. Well, the son has the reins of which way they're going to go. And when God gave us Mark eleven twenty three, my friends, God took the power of faith and he put it into yours hand, your hands and my hands. He put it into our hands. He gave us the reins. He didn't tell you which mountain you had to move. It's the one you decide you want to move. He didn't tell you which one. But he did tell you that if you believe in your heart and don't doubt at all, and then you say with your mouth and command the mountain to go, you command it to go, then it will be removed. Let me read this verse again. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, that's any of us, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, kid, what are you talking to mountains for? Because God told me I could. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he shall saith. My friends, God took the reins out of his own hands. Now, when he gave Abraham a promise, God had the reins in his hand. And as long as Abraham was willing to ride along with him and say, I receive, then they got to the destination God wanted him to get to. But in our situation, it's different. It's greater. It's a greater situation than even Abraham uh, believing God for Isaac to be born. In this situation, God is putting the reins of faith into our hands and saying, you decide, what do you want? What are you going to believe me for? What are you trusting me for? And what does it look like? Well, my friends, there's a whole lot to talk about with this. And if we're going to go down this road of faith, it's going to take some believing, but you're going to have to get your nose into the word and into prayer and find out if what I'm saying is true. So let's spend this week finding out more about this. If God put the reins in our hands, what are we going to do with it? And are we able, are we actually going to get this system to work? Let me pray for you. Father God, we need your help. We need your understanding. We need your supernatural wisdom in our hearts and in our minds. We need to hear your voice. We need you, Holy Spirit, to enlighten things to us so that we would really get it. Lord, help us this week in Jesus' name. Love you, friends. See you tomorrow. All right, friends, God is calling you up to a new level of faith. This is a different level than where Abraham was, where Abraham uh, didn't have a child and God promised him a child. He said, I will make your name great and I will make you the father of many nations. Okay? And so Abraham just had to say, Okay, I believe it. That was Abraham's response. That's a different level response than what God is requiring of us now. 
Yesterday I was talking about Mark 11.23 and uh, how Mark 11.23 is a real game changer. It really brings us to a different place. Let's talk about that. In Mark 11.23 it says, For verily, uh, or surely, or for sure, guys, I say to you, I'm telling you something. Or nowadays you'd say, listen, I am not kidding. I'm telling you the truth. Okay? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, that means whoever, that means anybody, who shall say unto this mountain, again, we're talking to an inanimate object, right? That whoever would say to a mountain, why would you talk? Because you talk to things you have power over. You give commands as a boss, you talk to people who are under your employ, right? You, you tell them what you need done, and they do it, right? Now, Jesus was telling his followers, his disciples, if you talk to something, it has to obey you. In other words, son, you're in charge. Like I shared yesterday, the father was riding the horse and carriage and he took the reins and he put them into his son's hands. I said, it's your, it's your turn to drive. Now, where, where are you taking me, son? And now, because the father has set up the system of faith and he wants to put it in our hands because with this faith, he wants us to rule this world. He wants us to make changes in this world to change things and make it the way that he wants it to be. How are we going to do it the way he wants? Why doesn't he just do it? If he's in charge, let's just let him be in charge. Yeah, he is in charge. And now, as him being in charge, he's now, put, he's now delegated his earthly authority to you and to me. So we've, we've got the reins in our hands. And we've got to make decisions about what do we want to change on this planet. Do you see anything that you want to change? Do you see any mountains that need to be moved? Is there anything standing in your way? I'll tell you this. Most Christians spend most of their time trying to get their own problems solved. And I'm all for getting your own problems solved. I'm all for it. However, if all you do is spend your life getting your own problems solved, you weren't any good to anybody but you. <laughs> now, come on. Let's, let's, let's get going, man. We've got more to do than just take care of ourselves. Um, you know, for example, oh, as long as I have enough for me and my family, then I'm fine. That's pretty darn selfish. You need to, I love what my pastor says. He goes, man, a million dollars. He said, you cannot feed a nation with a million dollars. You've got to have some money. You've got to have some power to do things. You've got to have some influence. God has created you to be a blessing. And if all you're doing is trying to bless yourself, no, sorry, you're not doing it right. Go ahead, use your faith to be increased to the point that you can be a blessing to others. Because once you're a blessing to others, um, it changes your perspective and it changes other people. You know, I've, I've shared this with some of you before, but I, at one point I had a job where um, I was running this hedge fund and the, the owner wanted to go do, he wanted to do a little good deed. So he sent me over to the train station and I had to pick up these two women at the train station who were working for a ministry in the inner city. And these two women did not have cars, okay? So my boss wanted me to go take those two women and take them over to the car dealership and buy them each a car. Anybody want a job like that? 
I had a job like that. I really did. And I bought those two. Those two women took the train out, I picked them up, and they drove home in their own brand new car. Each of them drove home in their own brand new car. What a blessing. I wrote the check for the whole thing. Now, it didn't come out of my account. However, I was a signatory on that account, so I had the authority to draw that amount of money, and so I signed the check. I wrote the checks and got it done. Okay, I had the authority to do it, my friends. And what God is saying here in Mark eleven twenty three 23 is he's given you and I authority here in this earth. He's got the full bank account up in heaven. It's all full of everything you need. And the way that you write a check off of that account is the name of Jesus and faith in that name. I have faith in the name of Jesus and you have faith in the name of Jesus because that's how you got saved, my friends. The way you came into faith in Jesus Christ, the way you came into the kingdom of God in the first place was by faith. You believed him. As a matter of fact, he gave you the faith so you could believe him. This is an awesome deal, but now he wants you to learn how does the system work. It's not just God doing it and Abraham just hanging on, believing, just believing, yep, someday God's going to give me a son, someday God's going to give me a son, yep. And that's fine. That's a good example, but that's only step one, my friends. Because in step two, which is where we're at now, God wants us to make a decision about what should be done. Should this virus be stopped? Yep, completely. It should be stopped, right? So we take authority over things like that. We say, no, virus, you have to stop in Jesus' name, right? And so we make the decision so should this there's an injustice over here lord that injustice should not happen well god's just like sitting back saying okay he'll he'll sit there and shrug his shoulders when you say lord that shouldn't happen and what are you going to do about it well lord make it stop he says uh wrong answer i didn't tell you to pray to me about it I told you to speak to the mountain. You speak to that. If there's injustice, you speak to it. Say, you injustice, I command you to leave this situation. You spirit of deception, I bind you and I command you out of this situation. You, um, you perversion, get out of this house. You injustice, get out of this nation. You see what I'm saying? You speak to the mountain. You could sit back and beg God, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, change the situation, change the situation. And God's going to sit there folding his arms like, hello, hello, anybody down there? Hello, <laughs> are you going to read my word? What did I tell you to do? Well, didn't you say ask? Yes, but in this situation, you've got to speak. You speak as from my throne. Imagine yourself, because it says in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So what does the king do from the throne? He rules. And where did he put you? Right next to him. We're seated with him. On the same throne. We're sitting on the same throne as Jesus. So what should we do? Speak in his name as from the throne. And we speak to situations and say, you must stop. A friend of mine had a flood coming up into his house and he told the water. He said, you water, stop. 
scripture says God's not going to flood the earth. <laughs> you water stop. He said that water stopped. And all of his neighbors were flooded in both directions, and his house was not flooded. He spoke to it, and it stopped because he said so. We've had many situations where we've spoken to the clouds, spoken to the sky, spoken to the weather systems, and we had the weather that we needed for a certain day in a certain situation because we spoke it. And God wants you to learn how to speak as from the throne of Jesus, declaring into this earth what should happen. And listen, I just want to say this. It says in this verse, and shall not doubt in his heart. So if you doubt what I'm saying, please don't worry. It won't happen to you. Okay? Because this is for believers. But you're like, well, wait a second. Wait a second. I want to believe. Okay. We'll stick around because we're going to deal with some of this. And how do you get rid of the doubt? Because the amount of doubt you're allowed to have in your heart for this to work is zero. Absolutely none. Well, how do I get there? Uh, let's, we'll talk more about it throughout this week. Because God's calling you up to a new level of faith. A new level of faith. My, this is above where Abraham was at. He was just believing for God to do what he promised. But God's now telling you, you decide what should happen. You speak it, and I'll back it up. You speak it, you believe it, don't doubt, I'll back it up. Faith works, my friend. And this is how faith works. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we really need this to be revealed to us in our hearts by faith so that we can hear your voice and know that this is truly you talking to us and that you have plans, Lord, to use us in this way that would actually change nations, change situations, change circumstances in our life. And Lord, raise us up above just the need to get our own problem solved, but that you would begin to use us in outward ways that we would help to solve problems in other people's lives. Lord, we need this. We really need this. So we're expecting, Lord, this spirit of faith to be on us as we see and as we hear, as we read the word, we understand what's being said here. But Lord, we receive this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen, my friends. You got to keep with me all week long. There's a lot coming. God bless. Friends, this week we're talking about faith, but it's kind of like level two faith. Uh, it's level New Testament faith. It's, it's kind of above where Abraham was because Abraham, who was the father of faith and highly regarded in the word of God, and you know, God really loved Abraham because he believed him. And he was so excited that he finally had a man who would hear him and really believe in his heart. And so God wants us to be people of faith but there's a new level of faith in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, Abraham, who was a mighty, mighty man of God, he wasn't even born again, which means in his heart, he still had a heart full of sin. You know, he had, still had this, this old nature. But when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive a brand new nature. And it says that this new nature is actually like... Um, uh, it's got all of this fruit in it. It's got the, the love. It's got joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness. It's got all these things. It's got faith in there. It's part of our character and part of our nature. There's one scripture that says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So what does that mean? 
the same way you started, you, you, you saw what you wanted. You saw that you wanted Jesus Christ and God gave you the faith to undergird that desire. And then you believed him. You spoke it and you believed and you received. The same way you got that, Jesus said, the, the word says, so the same way, same way you received that, you received the faith from God and you said you saw what you wanted, you spoke and you received it. The same way, do that with the rest of your life. It says, the same way that you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Just keep walking it out by faith. The faith that comes from God, the faith that is from God. He gave us this faith as a gift. So he, <clears throat> what I'm trying to share with you is that there's this new level of faith that we are to walk in as New Testament believers because in the Old Testament, they weren't even born again. But in the New Testament, we are born again. And so not only is it just our mind, but God has put his recreative and cre creative power on the inside of us. This ability, where like in the Old Testament, it says, ye are gods. Well, J Jesus was functioning as if he was a god. He was still functioning under the power of men and with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's what you and I have. We have the new birth, and hopefully you have the, the second event, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I have a whole bunch of teachings on that, and you really should partake of that. If, you've, if, you've born, if you're born again, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this can be real hard, real hard for you to receive all of the things that God has in store. As a matter of fact, you can't because one of the things God has in store for you is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you can't receive, just as a born again believer, you're not gonna be able to receive everything God had provided for you because part of his provision is the gift that was promised. So let's receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's be fully clothed, fully equipped to do all the good works that God wants us to do, right? So getting born again, you got a born again, brand new spirit, and now you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the endowment with power from on high. In other words, God has fully equipped you and fully authorized you, and uh, he's robed you, just like, like you, you, do you remember um, Saul wanted to put armor on David, and David's like, man, I can't handle this. This ain't, it ain't my style, right? Well, the armor that God's prepared for you fits you perfectly, perfectly. It's not like David's armor that Saul gave him, that he just couldn't walk around in. The armor of God fits you perfectly. The equipping, the equipment that God gives fits you perfectly. And so let's walk and let's learn how to function in this. So God gave you a born again spirit and it's a spirit that's full of faith. And now he wants you to speak just like Jesus spoke. There were situations where Jesus didn't pray to God when he, when he, um, did various miracles. It wasn't a situation where he prayed to God. He stepped forward in faith and did something. When he cast out a devil, he didn't say, oh Lord, would you, would you get this devil to go? He did not. He just said, devil, leave in the name of Jesus. He didn't say in Jesus' name because he was Jesus, right? He just said, devil, go. And the devil went because the devil knew that Jesus had authority. So you and I have been given this authority through faith. Now, as we, let's go to Mark eleven twenty three again. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, not pray about it. He didn't say pray about it. 
He didn't say, whoever shall pray about this mountain. He didn't say that. He said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, my friends, if there ever was a recipe for getting something done, this is it. Okay? Now, yes, I'm all for working with our hands and making things happen with our hands and, and doing all the work that's necessary and all that. I'm all for that. I'm 100% for that. However, I'll tell you this. We have had events at the church and... Um, We'll be working, we'll be making our plans, and we're working our plans, and we're doing all the work, and all the workers are there working together, and we're trying to make something happen. And uh, like my daughter Natalie, who's our executive pastor, and she'll come and talk to me about how things are going, and I'll say, you know what I'll say? I say, I just make a declaration. According to Mark eleven twenty three. I'll say, this event is blessed. I declare that this event is going to go very well. Everything's going everything to flow smoothly with this in Jesus' name. I declare it, and I make that declaration. So we had a situation a couple of years ago when we were doing an Easter uh, event, you know, an Easter extravaganza, right? We preach the gospel, and then we hide a bunch of Easter eggs, and they go, kids all find them. And we had hundreds and hundreds of kids come from the neighborhood uh, to hear the gospel, but really they came to, uh, to get those Easter eggs. But... We got a chance to preach the gospel to them, right? However, we made this big plan. So we had a bounce house. We had everything that we were all planning. Everything was planned. But when I woke up, I looked out the window and the rain was not coming down this way. It was coming down this way. I mean, it was crazy. It was hard wind blowing. And here we're supposed to have dry ground for the kids to run and pick up all the eggs on. And it's raining not straight down, but almost horizontally, right? And so I was thinking, okay, this is early enough. I could call and call the whole thing off and cancel the whole event. And I was praying. I was looking out the window and, and seeking the Lord. What should I do? What should I do? And I just pondered it a bit. I was thinking. I, I wasn't saying anything at that point. Like, you know, what do I do? Just pondering, what should I do? And I decided, you know what? I'm going to act in faith. We're going to keep this thing going, and I'm going to bless it. So I said, I said, in Jesus' name, I bless this event. I declare that this event is going to go well. As a matter of fact, I declare the ground is going to be dry, and everything is going to go really well. In Jesus' name. So what did I do? I called my daughter a little bit later. And she said, well, the bounce house already called and they canceled because they can't have the, the wind is too high to be able to have the bounce house. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to stick with the words that I spoke, okay? Because I spoke some words, I'm going to stick with them. So I stuck with the words that I said, that this is going to be blessed. It's going to go well. Do you know, we had, I think we had 400 kids show up. I think we did it in two groups. So there was a group of 200 that showed up and later there was another group. It was crazy. It was like a big, big day. But you know the cool thing was, here this was an overclass, overclouded, overcast, rainy day. And I spoke that that sun was going to be out and everything was going to go well. 
do you know that I, after the first group, we preached the gospel to them, and then we were going to let them go out front to do, the egg, to do the egg hunt. I went personally and opened that front door so the kids could run out. As soon as I opened that door, the sun came out. Now, it had already stopped raining more than an hour before that, and, and somehow that ground got dried up. <laughs> Amazing to me, but it did. So when those kids ran through that field, they didn't get all muddy. Crazy. But it became because I spoke the blessing on it. So I decided in that situation, I was going to sit on the throne with Jesus, which the scripture already says that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Actually, it says that you're there too. So hi, neighbor. You and I are sitting right next to Jesus on the throne, right? We're neighbors. So here me and Jesus are sitting on the throne together and I speak from the throne and all of creation can't tell if it's me or if it's Jesus. And I said it was going to be a beautiful day. And do you know what? As soon as the second egg hunt was done, we came back in the house and the sun went back behind the clouds. Exactly that way. It happened exactly that way. Friends, this is faith. And this is the new level of faith that God wants us to use in the New Testament. And you do it from a born again heart that believes. But it's your nature. This is how things work. Let's learn more about this, all right? Father God, help my friends to hear and to believe and obey you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, we are learning how New Testament faith works, okay? So, again, let me take you to Mark eleven twenty-two, 22, and it says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. So, friends, you and I, he's telling us, have faith in God, okay? Now, then he goes on in Mark eleven twenty-three, the next verse, and he begins to unpack this. And as he unpacks this, we find out that we have more responsibility than we thought. And... I think we need to learn to grow up in this and find out what is he, what responsibilities has he delegated to us. You know, when Nancy and I leave the house and we, we delegate responsibility to our children, listen, we need to make sure that the kids are taken care of, the kids are fed, that, you know, the diapers are changed or the, you know, the house is picked up, make sure the dishes are done, all that, and make sure the kids are in bed on time, blah, blah, blah. We give responsibility, we delegate authority, and we tell the kids before we leave, now listen, Sarah's in charge or Andrew's in charge, right? We, we, we delegate the authority. We make sure we, everybody knows who's in charge, right? And that's delegate. So then Nancy and I are free to leave and go enjoy our date night out or whatever we're, whatever we're doing, right? Jesus is clarifying things for us. And you need to derive who in fact is he putting in charge here, Okay. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Okay, now who's in charge here then? He's saying, you're in charge. You say to the mountain what should happen. You speak directly to the mountain. He did not say, come and talk to me about it, and I'll tell you whether or not you can move the mountain. He didn't even say that. He said, no, you speak to the mountain. You speak to the problem. You speak to the bump in the road. 
You speak to things to change. When God showed up, the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said. So he thought about it a while. He looked at the situation, and then God said. He did not say, man, is it dark out here. He didn't say that. He said, let there be light. He spoke what should be. You and I have the responsibility. And if, in fact, you're wanting to live this Christian life the way Jesus actually designed it, remember, it's not your life to design. He designed faith. He designed the kingdom of God. And if you're going to function in the kingdom of God, do it his way. Don't do it your own way. Do it his way. I have a friend of mine who said, uh, you know, I was, he, we were talking about tongues and interpretation and stuff like that. He said, uh, man, I'm not going to have anybody in my church speaking out in tongues. I won't allow that. What? You won't allow that? Why would you not allow that? The scripture says specifically, forbid not speaking with tongues. Why would you disallow that? Oh, I'm not going to have that kind of crazy stuff going on. Oh, okay. So you're designing how you want the kingdom of God to operate. No, 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 friends. Jesus designed how this operates and how this works. We just learn his plan and we do it his way. You don't get to decide how faith operates. He already designed how it operates. You just yield to his methods. But when he says, you speak to the mountain, it's implicit there or implied. Who decides what mountain gets spoken to? You do. You're the one that has the responsibility to decide what in this world needs to be changed and what it should actually look like instead. So now, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now verse 24, he said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, what, what? Yes, whatever you desire. Whatever you desire. I'm, I'm sorry, but the, that's what the Bible says. It says whatever you desire. Well, what if I desire something bad? Well, then you should get your, get your head straight. Start thinking like Jesus. Go over to Colossians 1.9, which says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. If you want something that's evil, you're not even thinking in terms of the kingdom of God in the first place. So you're not even going to be functioning over here. You're not even going to be wanting to do this because your head's not even in the Bible in the first place and you're probably not watching this show. Okay? You get it? But if you let your heart, Colossians 1.9, let your heart be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And Philippians 2.13, which says that God is at work in you both to will and act according to his good pleasure. My friends, your heart is going to be pointing in the direction of God's will in the first place. Romans chapter 12 talks about how you uh, be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? My goodness, if you don't know what God's will is, you ought not to be praying, you know, except find out, Lord, show me what your will is. But if you know what God's will is, it's really pretty simple. If you go to Romans, or if you go to John chapter 10, verse 10, Anything that comes to kill, 
steal, or destroy is the devil's will. Anything that comes to give you life and life more abundantly, that's Jesus' will. Very clear. It's very clear in the scriptures. Okay? So, if you don't know what God's will is, find out what God's will is. But I'll tell you this also. God's will is that you learn this. And God's will is that you learn how to speak in faith and cause things to happen. Now listen, I would, I would consider myself, uh, I would not consider myself a master at this. I would consider myself probably in the 30 to 40% range. Yet I've had situations where the weather has changed because of what I said. Many times, many, many times where the weather has changed because of what we spoke. Um, now that's crazy. You think I'm crazy? I think you're crazy for not being a believer. I think you should believe. If the, if, and once again, if, if you doubt what I'm saying, don't worry about it. It won't happen to you because this is for believers. Because it says right here, it, it says, but shall believe that those things which ye say shall come to pass. Shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will come to pass. And that's what we did when we changed the weather. In those many situations, we believed in our heart and we spoke it. Again, I've told you this story before, but uh, I took some friends to Uganda and uh, two of the young men that went with me, they had already seen multiple times where we had spoken to the weather. Remember, you don't pray for God to change the weather. That's just a silly prayer. You don't do it because God never gave you a precedent for that. He never gave you the example of that. Scripture says you speak. So, and, and you look what Jesus did when there was a wind in the waves. He just said, hush. And they were all, they went still, right? So here, uh, we were in Uganda, and it was about time for us to head back to Entebbe, to the airport, to go home. And there was a storm coming that was pretty substantial, and I knew for sure it could have stopped us from getting to the airport. So, to the two young men who were with us, I said, listen, I'm not going to rebuke this storm. I said, you guys get up and handle this right now right now and so they went over and they stood at the doorway uh you know the little patio door looking out and it was pretty it was intense i'll tell you that and they looked up at that storm and they took authority over it and they commanded that storm to stop and guess what happened it stopped and we had no problem getting to the airport it just went right there oh joe you really believe yes i really believe and the reason that i see so many miracles in my heart or in my life is because I really do believe. And you can do the same. And if I consider myself to, I mean, here we've had so many great victories and I consider myself from what I can see right now, I'm probably only at about 30% of where I'm supposed to be. I got a ways to go. If I'm gonna be like Jesus, I'm about 30% of the way there. Yet we've stopped the storms and we've laid hands on the sick and seen them recover. And we've spoken to situations and, and they've been, you know, major situations have been changed what of it well I, i'm on the train i'm going I'm, I'm on the faith train i'm going after this and i want to invite you if you're not on it get on it because there's too much work to be done this is not about you just gathering up and solving your own life problems you're supposed to be a problem solver for the world remember if you solve ten dollar an hour problems you're going to get paid ten dollars an hour and if you solve million dollar an hour problems you're going to get paid a million dollars an hour. So if all you're doing in life is trying to solve your own problems, that's about 10 bucks an hour.
But if you're trying to solve other people's problems, that's where you start making money. That's where things, that's where your value really rises up. That was a word for somebody. Friends, I love you. And I'm telling you the truth because I love you. And God wants to bless your life. So Heavenly Father, right now, I pray for every single one of my friends that's listening and watching. Help them today to hear your voice, know your voice, follow your voice, and to believe you in faith that they've got to step up and start doing and start believing the way you want them to believe in Jesus' name. Friends, this is it, man. We're, we got one more day of this, and I am excited, but I really want you to get it. Make sure you come back tomorrow because there's a lot more. God bless. Friends, it's time. We're wrapping this week up, and this is the second week that we've talked about faith. But this week we've been talking about this new level of faith. It's not the Old Testament level of faith where Abraham just received his son after 20 years of, of hearing the promise, right? This new level of faith is where you decide what is supposed to happen. And God puts the reins in your hands, and you say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And you don't doubt in your heart. That's a big one. How do you not doubt in your heart? Well, you've got to get this thing to the place where it's settled that once God says something, you believe it. And then you believe that you know God's will, right? And then you speak God's will and you command something to happen. You speak to some object or you speak to something to happen. Like I spoke to the weather or I had my, my buddies who came with me on the trip to Uganda. And I said, I'm not gonna rebuke this storm. You rebuke it. And they stood up at the window and they rebuked that storm and it stopped. Praise the Lord. We went on to the airport unhindered, right? So um, I was doing to them the same thing that Jesus had done to me. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to speak to the storm. So if there's a storm and you're praying and you're wanting God to stop the storm, he's wanting you to speak to it. Well, how do you discern this, Joe? Keep listening. It's very simple. Let's go over to a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 8. And it says in verse 5, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say, to you, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. He said, Go. He told that centurion, Go. It'll be done just like you said. That's a big deal. For God to say, for Jesus to say to the centurion, it's going to happen the way you said it would, or the way you believed it would. Now, in the New Testament, God is putting responsibility on us. 
Jesus is not here on this earth right now, except living in us, right? The Holy Spirit is here, living through us right now. And so God wants to have his way in the earth, but he's got to have it through you and I. And you and I have to start acting like Jesus. And Jesus didn't sit around begging. He commanded things to happen. He knew his authority. When it was time to go across the lake and they had already taken the boat, he decided to stroll across the lake. Well, how did he do that? He decided that he was going to stroll across the lake, and he did it. How did that happen? He believed, and he decided, and he knew because he was filled with the knowledge of God's will, he knew that anything that he wanted would be backed up by God as long as he spoke it and didn't doubt in his heart. He spoke it out with believing in his heart, not doubting, believing, not doubting, believing, not doubting. Now, how does doubt come? Doubt comes the faith Doubt comes the same way that faith comes. You doubt in your heart. You, you get something. You get a word uh, from God. You get a promise from God. I'm going to do this. And then you get a word from the devil that says, that'll never happen. Well, wait a second. If I can hear in the spirit, I can hear God giving me a promise. When I'm reading the scriptures and, and it comes clear and I get it. Okay, that's awesome. Problem is, the devil can call on the same line. You ain't getting that. I'm canceling that order. I'm canceling it. Just, it ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. No, no, no. No, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Remember that thing you did last week? God gives you a promise and then Satan says, Oh, but wait a second, last week you did that. I remember, I was there. The devil's like, I even tempted you to do it. And you fell right into the trap. He won't talk to you that clearly. It'll be very, very first person. Oh no, I did that last week. It's not the devil saying, you did that last week. He's going to speak in your voice. He's going to make it sound as much like you as he can. I'm not worthy. I can't have that because I did that last week. And he's going to make you think that thought was your thought. It wasn't. It was his thought. You just reject that thought. Say, no, God said I could have it. God counts me as righteous. God counts me as holy. And God counts me as worthy. And since I'm worthy, I can receive what he promised. So what you're doing there is you're driving doubt out of your heart. And when you get that doubt out of your heart, my goodness, the things that can happen are powerful and amazing. Remember this. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But also in Romans, or in uh, Mark 11.23, excuse me, in Mark 11.23, it says, whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Doubt is bad because anytime you're doubting, you're believing the devil instead of God. When you doubt, you're believing the devil instead of believing God's promise. When God said, I will do this, I promise. And the devil says, I doubt that. I doubt that. I'm not worthy. But he's saying that as if it's your thought. And he gets you to believe that. He's preaching just like God's preaching. The devil wants to preach to you just like I'm preaching to you. But you know you have the power to cast down those thoughts and make every thought obedient to Christ. If you have a thought that says, oh, that ain't gonna happen, no. You can doubt that. Doubt your doubts. 
There you go. How about that? Try that one on. I want to take you over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, where it says um, in verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, let me f tell you, friends, according to that verse, you believing doubts, you believing in your doubts is disobedience because you've got to take that thought of doubt, cast it out. Well, how do you cast out a doubt thought? Okay, you get a thought that says, I'm not worthy. Replace that thought with, I am worthy. Well, how do you do that, Joe? Okay, here, very simple. If you're having the thought that's saying, I don't deserve this, say out loud with your mouth, I do deserve this. Because whatever you say with your mouth trumps whatever you thought, whatever you were thinking. When you speak it, it takes authority over the, the conscious thought. So, I mean, very simple example. If I were to have you uh, right now start counting in your mind from 10 down to 0. 10, 9, 8, 7, right? So just slowly, 10, so start doing that in your mind. Ready? Go. Now, while you're doing that, say your name out loud, Joseph. Well, you were counting, but you had to stop counting in order to say your name. And that proves that your mouth can be used to overcome your doubts. So stop speaking doubt. Stop saying, oh, this is killing me. Stop saying, oh, this will never happen. Stop saying anything that comes from that pipe of doubt that the devil is feeding right into you. Stop saying anything off of that script. Never say it again. Say what God says. And as you say what God says, the power is going to be there, and you're going to find the garden of your heart has so many less weeds in it. You're going to find that you are full of faith. And you get this thing lined up, and pretty soon, wow. Just like I woke up that one morning, and I was like, what should I do here? Should, I, should we have this event with all these kids running through the mud? No, we're going to bless this event. And I spoke it out of my mouth, and I believed in my heart. I didn't doubt. And we ended up having an amazing day. 400 kids got blessed that day because I decided not to doubt, but to believe. And you have that choice. You have that opportunity, but you also have the responsibility to not doubt, but to believe. And I want to encourage you, my friends. You really can not doubt, but believe. You really can do it. You can take authority over your doubts. Love you so much. I'm really praying for you. And um, I really want you to be blessed. I've got so much I want to share with you, but um, let's just keep going at these things, all right? I, it's been a good week. Receive what I've said. Father, I bless my friends. Help them to hear you. Help them to obey you. But Lord, especially give them time in the word that is really juicy, really blessed in Jesus' name. Friends, I love you. Praying for you. And have a great weekend. This is the time to just go bless some people. Amen? Love you. God bless. Well, friends. I hope you enjoyed that message. I've been praying for you, and I'm going to keep praying for you. Because I really believe that the truths that I shared today 
have to get really deep in your heart. And if you need more information, or if there's any way I can help, please reach out to us at www.josephbarlow.com.